Good evening and welcome to Success in the City. My name is Helen Webster and I'm with the lovely Sandra Scott and we have the most amazing guest today, the inspirational Gary Miller apparently. I'm not sure about inspirational but I do my best. Very much so, very much so. I did type charismatic when I when I when I said who uh, who was on our show tonight, I said the charismatic Gary Miller. I really like yeah. that. But you know, we're all charismatic in some way, if we have the right audience and the right kind of environment. So I've just listened to you two, Sandra Scott and Helen Webster from Success <laughs> in the City, and it was like listening to. Um, it's the wrong gender, but like Philip Schofield and Holly. <laughs> on the morning tv or lorraine and somebody or that allison the uh the 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 lovely new presenter i just love her that's charismatic but you two are charismatic as well oh thank you and we do crack up laughing like phil and holly as well you do i know i know and you've just been showing us your cats as well um, oh yeah, I forgot because you didn't have your camera yet because he's a nuisance because I haven't been in today and he's just appeared. That's Eddie the cat. I love cats, but I'm allergic oh. to them now. And I can oh. tell you a very quick story. So many years ago, our next door neighbour in um, just off the Belmont Road, next to the old Leo's, the supermarket, and the mm -hmm. Barker and Dobson Sweet Factory in Ogden's oh, yeah. or the tobacco yeah. place. Um, our next door neighbor left, just disappeared, and they left behind them a cat, and the cat was called Lucy, and oh. Lucy kind of adopted us. We never adopted her. That was for Stephen and I, and she moved in, and about six weeks later, she had babies. She had little kittens, oh. and about six months after that, she had more kittens. Oh. <laughs> So our friends adopted Lucy's kittens, and then she had oh. more, of course. So she had six, well, all were adopted. She had another six, and two of them got adopted, because you've only got so many friends that want cats. Yeah. So we were left with four, and Lucy herself. And oh. sadly, it's then that I discovered that the kitten fur <laughs> was bad yeah. from her eyes. And I actually yeah. became allergic to cats. So yeah. sadly, we had to get them adopted through the RSPCA. Oh. But we oh. took Lucy back to get looked after by the pet, the, the pet doctor, the vet, down mm -hmm. in Eaton Road. Oh, and yeah. They changed her name from Lucy to Loose Lucy because she was pregnant again. <gasps> I think that's uh -huh. quite judgmental, Gary. It wasn't me. It was a vet that said it. <laughs> I love I loved Lu our Lucy. Um, I love Lucy. Oh, I know a song, yeah. Love, uh, exactly, yeah. That could yeah. be a comedy show. Yeah. I love Lucy. A screenplay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, Dave Verbeek's listening in, and he says, Hola from sunny Mallorca. Have a great show. Hola. Hola to Dave. Practicing in Spanish. Hopefully he's practicing okay. Spanish. Yeah. So okay. we do a shout out to the kids. What young people, little people have done amazing things this week. Um, San, I'm going to pass to you first. Okay. Any well, little people? Like, yep. I'd like to give a shout out. Not so little because she's a teenager. So Olivia, the, the girl who was sick after the lesson last week. I didn't make it. Work. But anyway, she came top of the class for Spanish on Friday. And the reason why I'm made up with this is because she had no confidence and she thought she was rubbish at Spanish. And she was really like shocked she got full marks. Yeah. Shocked she got for her test. I was absolutely made up. And it wasn't, and as, as I said to her, she's very clever, but we did everything on uh, flashcards for her online because that's her choice. That's what she likes to do, how she likes to learn. So I said, okay. So we put everything on flashcards for her. And she's introduced me to this new thing called Blue Kit which I'm using, which all the kids like. So I'm very delighted and I can't wait to use that as well. So massive, massive shout out to Olivia. As I said to her, I'm stealing money from your parents because you're that clever. You don't need any lessons. So there we go. Well done, Olivia. Amazing. Gary, any young people, little people that you want to give a shout out to? 
the whole of the city, um, uh, particularly uh, those that may be at an enhanced learning school, whether it be places like Sandfield Park or Palmerston or Abbots Lee or Bank View or Aigbeth High. Um, yeah. And there are others, many others, uh, and all the Senkos and all the Sen uh, uh, people at school because uh, my brother is disabled. Uh, he's thalidomide. He cannot speak. He cannot hear. And I kind of was brought up in that kind of environment. Uh, and I, I did a tweet on over the weekend, and the mother of uh, one of the girls that I worked with when I was Lord Mayor of this amazing city, the young Lord Mayor attended Sandfield Park. Uh, and Sarah is her name. I won't give her last name, but Sarah. A big shout out to her. And her mother said to me, and her mother I didn't actually get to meet very much, but her mother said, you might remember my daughter. Uh, she was Down syndrome and she'd become your young Lord Mayor. And I actually remember her not just because she was young Lord Mayor, but I visited uh, Sandfield Park's school in Alder Hay Hospital. So a big shout out to all the children that are at Alder Hay and all their parents that are kind of worried about their health. Because I visited the school and the chair of governors kind of gave me a tour. And at the end of the tour, she gave me a present and it was a painting by Sarah to thank oh. me for being so nice to her when she was young Lord Mayor of the city. Oh, how lovely. And so it was great to see Sarah blossom as a youngster. Um, and she did an amazing job, but she gave me wow. this painting. And it's over there. I can see it now just yeah. sitting there. Oh, I love that. I said, you might not remember my daughter. Of course I do because yeah. she's just amazing. So every young young girl, young boy, young adult, every school child, because no matter what your background is, doesn't matter who you are, you will become something wonderful. Yeah. You are something wonderful. You might not know it yet, but actually with the right kind of mentoring, yeah. teaching, inspirational role models, you can be anything you want to be, including Sarah. And of course, I remember Sarah so well. Oh, oh. And that's quite funny because my shout out this week is to our two young people. So we've got two people with us in our office who are doing traineeship and then they're going to be, um, and they're with TPM. So our gorgeous guest, Brian Quinn, who was on a couple of months ago. So they're doing their learning traineeship with Brian Quinn um, and, and they're doing their work placement with Sandra Knight. And on Friday, Brian come in, he said, can I borrow them for at 12 o'clock? I said, yeah, 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 of course you can. Didn't know what it was for. They both come back in the office with a certificate um, and they'd got um, traineeship of the month and oh. their teacher couldn't choose because they normally just have one and she couldn't choose out of the, you know, the class. And she said, I can't choose out of the two of them because they've both been amazing. Um, can I give it to both of them? So they got a gorgeous certificate uh, and they both got £10 each as well, which is like dead cool, isn't it? And um, it was just, yeah. And, and, you know, they've both got little stories themselves. And for them both to just get that certificate was just, so we had um, Donut Friday, didn't we? We went to Krispy Kreme Donuts and bought donuts and celebrated. Yeah, so it was just, uh, it was just amazing. And, and you know, the, the power of recognition, you know, to say that these yeah. people have done amazing was just, uh, it was lovely. They were buzzing, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they, they're all the pair of them are just fabulous. Yeah, Great. so so well done to Emmett and Beth. Great shout out to, to our to our young people. Um, so success personally this week, San. What's your personal success? Yeah, well, you're going to speak about. I know what happened today, which was a, a brilliant day. So it's been going well. I've, I've been doing quite well, but this is a trivial thing yet amusing. So um, yesterday when we went had our exercises at half six in the morning in West Derby. Um, had the session, it was quite cold. I came out and um, I couldn't get into my car. It didn't work. And I was like, oh, and I didn't have a tire on for the temperature outside at that time of the day. <laughs> so I was very fortunate you had a 30 minute break before your next client and ran me home. So I got ready. 
And then later on, you said it might just be the cold, and I wasn't in the office yesterday, which was good. Anyway, when I went back, the thing worked, but it hadn't even worked with the keys, so I knew it wasn't the battery of the fob. So I got back in my car, which is really just hanging by a thread at the moment, but at least I got home. So it's the small things, you know. Watch Gary Miller now come out with something amazing to that. <laughs> <laughs> I've secured a deal of whatever. No, so that's <laughs> what I'll let you speak about today because that's been a great success and I love that as well. Yeah. Go on, Gary. What's your success this week for you personally? Um, every day is a success when I, at my age, wake up. Um, <laughs> like uh, Oscar said that, didn't he? I, I, I met... Uh, I mean, I've, I've actually had a major success tonight, but... I met a lovely, lovely lady, an old friend of mine that I know through the Linda McCartney Center. And she was a volunteer there after um, suffering from breast cancer many years ago. And we've kept in touch ever since from about 2006, 2007. And she's absolutely amazing. And she was sacked. She was kicked out of a job two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with her at all. And it's hit her really badly. So she came to see me at the Fashion Hub at the weekend. And she was very teary, very emotional. And I was so upset for her. Without giving her name away, that wouldn't be the right thing to do. But I put something on Facebook about this this person, this woman, um, who deserves a chance in life. And I must have got about 20 private messages of people wanting to help and she's had an interview yesterday wasn't oh, wow. quite, it wasn't quite for her but other people are kind of talking to her about giving her support um and it's just the kind of you know and then we'll come back to something else it's just that kind of wanting to help people because it's no effort to kind mm. of connect but not expecting, and I don't want anybody to go, oh, that's brilliant, Gary, because it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just us being ourselves. It's just us being nice to each other, being nice to yeah. friends and helping friends, because I'd hope that she would help me in my time of need. Yeah. And even though I don't expect that, but I hope all of us kind of just use our connections to kind of just hopefully change somebody's life. or And that change might be putting a smile on their face. And, and, and giving them food on the table. It's that serious, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. But today, um, I've just been appointed uh, uh, part-time chief executive officer of a charity that looks after children who've come out of care. I so that's like really, that. and it's quite impo- really important to me. And, yeah. um and we're launching a project that's doing next Thursday at the Fashion Hub. Yes. Um, yes. A major project working with people that you know. And mm-hmm. it's really, you know, it's working with the ADHD Foundation. Yeah. It's working with the Women's Organization. It's working with our friend yeah. Ali McGrath. It's working yeah. with Tony Lloyd. It's working yeah. with um, the Learning Foundry and Joanne Abrams. It's working with other registered social landlords and their their kind of people. And it's going to impact on at least 100 people a year. Amazing. And it's such a good start in life like that, you know. Can I just say, Gary, just to reiterate, my success was getting back into my car. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that, that getting back into the car is good. Um, I, I mean, I've had minor successes um, uh, today, but do you know what? Whilst we've got this audience, mm-hmm. this is really important. We should all do our utmost to help Sandra get home or get in her car. That, <laughs> that is a success. Mm-hmm. But actually, you did say, Helen, run you home. You said yeah. that you got help. Yeah. And actually what I want, my success is I want other people to be part of, can you give, like Brian Quinn, could you give a care lever mm-hmm. some kind of opportunity, mentoring, 
bodying, employability skills. You know, how do I do an interview? How do I dress? Yeah. How do I do a CV? How do I pass a math exam or an English exam or a yeah. Spanish exam? We yeah. can all help each other. My success Absolutely. is making those connections. It's not about becoming a CEO. It's only a title. It's yeah. nothing important. But what it does is other people kind of use it as a hook to gravitate towards helping a 16-year-old get an opportunity in life if they've got autism, Asperger's, dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, Tourette's, acquired brain injury, mm -hmm. come out of care, 16-year-old, going out into a cold, sometimes horrible world. world. San Sandra, you, Helen, Brian Quinn, David Verberg, sitting in Mallorca, wherever he is, we mm -hmm. all have got a role to play. And it's about waking up in the morning, having a smile on our face and kind of picking up the phone and actually speaking to a friend and say, could you help this person get a job? Could you help this person get some training? Could you help this person get into their car? Or, more importantly, put food on the table and feed the yeah. family, look after themselves. That's what we can all do. So my success is getting up in the morning. That's what I said first. Yeah, well done. yeah you did, you did, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's important to help everyone, isn't it? Because... A guy, we were at this event today, and a guy came over, and I saw he had food, and he was like trying to get a glass. And I said, "Would you like?" A we had bottles of water. We were giving out all healthy stuff today, and he said, um, "Do you want a bottle?" And he went, "Oh!" And I said, "Would you like one for your colleague as well?" He was absolutely—he wasn't from here. He was absolutely astounded, and he went, "Well, that's very kind of it." I said, "Well, you should just help everyone if you can, like just like Norm. You know, we all live our lives like that. It runs yeah. a lot better, doesn't it? Let's face it." And um, it's not to get something back. It's just because it's the right thing to do. If you can't, do you know what I mean? So what was your success today, Helen? So we today we were um, exhibiting at the uh, Liverpool Business Schools Managers um, Conference in Anfield, which, you know, as a Liverpool fan, when you walk in, it's just an amazing. You know, the ground is beautiful. The, the stadium is amazing. Um and I think our success was that, you know, everybody was amazing and we were able to, it's just lovely to be back out, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. People again and, uh, you know. Um, so, yeah, so I think our success was being able to get out and about and showing our amazing products we've got. Um, so we've got a few people listening in and, and the, the comments are coming in. So uh, Paul Heron, happy wedding anniversary for, I think it was Wednesday. And I met Paul. He won Radio City's Cash for Kids Winner Wedding. And I trained the bridal squad, and that's how I originally met Paul. So, hello to Helen, Sandra, and Gary. Fran McNichol, super surgeon, author, past guest. Hi, what a great show. Peter Lloyd, Mr. Marathon Man, he did the London Marathon, and he yeah. says, good evening. I'm going to say good evening to Gertie Robinson today. Yes, we're doing good evening, so she's deaf. Um, and I'm going to say to Joe Galbraith, um, inspirational as always, Gary, uh, what about me and Sam? Just saying. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, we're going to play this or that with you, Gary. Um, so, Sandra is going to ask you and I, and I'll ask you and Sandra. And then we're going to hand it over to you and find out all the amazing things that um, we've been talking about. So, Sani, go first or me? I'll go first if that's okay. Uh, bearing Off in mind you what you've got going in your other venue at the Fashion Hub, um, live theatre or sing-along a musical film? Both. 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 You can do, so you can – no, this is important. So sing along to a musical yeah. is live theatre because you are dressing up, you're performing, you're becoming, you're participating in what's going on on the screen. So imagine The Greatest Showman or Rocky Horror or White Christmas and somebody comes on, it might be, I don't know, um, on White Christmas, could be Bing Crosby, for example. Mm -hmm. and start singing that song and you go oh, oh and then you sing along wearing a fair isle sweater or a painter <laughs> outfit that's theater so all of that it together is. is so but i love i love live theater but it doesn't allow you to participate in the same way 
as sitting with a bunch of friends who are enjoying the song and getting involved, engaged with it, whilst they're all looking silly or beautiful, handsome in their outfits. And then we, you know, you have a competition. Who's won as the best dress? That's not yeah. centered on the stage. It's not Bing Crosby. It's now yeah. about the people in the audience, like Gillian Wilson, for example, or Absolutely. Rachel, her daughter, and so on. Um, or yeah. Ali McGrath, or Diane Cannon. Di Cannon, uh, I was going to say, Di Cannon dressed on the Moulin Rouge. She nailed it. Oh, she did. She was brilliant. Mm. So we went, they're all important. Okay, yeah. and remember we went to see that singing in the rain. That was unbelievable. Unbelievable. One of the best things I've ever seen in my life, though. So anyway, before you're not allowed to tell you anymore. Okay, right. Because my next question is, singing in the rain or Wizard of Oz, son? Okay. Overall, Wizard of Oz. Because there's so many lines from that that are just amazing. You're not in Kansas anymore. Fly, my pretties, fly. I can go on. I can quote the film verbatim. I loved it as a child, but I've got a thing about egg timers because of it. <laughs> what a phobia. Is it like you don't like them? Yeah. When my mother couldn't bring an egg timer in the house, I'd go ballistic when I was a kid, honestly. Like, <laughs> <mental>. Wow. <laughs> I'm that is weird. <laughs> when the egg timer goes, Dorothy gets it, doesn't she? And she's watching yeah. the egg timer constantly. So what about you, Gary, singing in the rain or Wizard of Oz? Well, since I'm meeting Gene Kelly's wife on Monday. Of course you are. Go on. Singing in the rain. I am. Yeah. I am. Um, is it coming back? Uh, no, but she is coming back. And oh, it's to do with the ADHD Foundation. And it's oh, to yeah. do with the umbrellas in Church Alley. And it's to do with the new project that I'm leading on. Brilliant. With, she was amazing, with, wasn't she? Oh, yeah, she and spoke to everyone at that she event. Did. So lovely, you know. Yeah, yeah. she was lovely. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So Joe Galbraith, who's listening, and she says that singing in the rain night was amazing. It was, and we were firing questions over to each other, weren't we? Uh, yeah. So, um, okay, San, your next one. Okay, you didn't pick one then. Okay, tulips or sunflowers? Nice and easy. For who? Daddy. Sunflowers. Daddy. Sunflowers. Like Love that. Them. Yeah. Okay. They're they're big and bright and yellow. They're like the the sunshine is shining on us in our gardens. Um, but they also relate back to some of our sunflower charity, uh, mm -hmm. raising money for those with breast cancer, etc. So actually, straight away, sunflowers because of part partly to do sunflowers. with sunflowers. Yeah, sunflowers, the happiest flower that that ever lived, isn't it? Yeah, I I love yeah. both. Um, sunflowers last longer than tulips. But they take mm. a lot of watering, having grown the amount I did last summer. To, oh, okay. <laughs> and that they are, they are arduous, but they, they are lovely and shiny. Okay, cool. You'll go hell. Okay. Wake up early or stay up late, um, son? Wake up early or stay up late. So I used to be a night owl, definitely. But actually, I, you know, I'm sort of both really, don't I? I get up dead early and go to bed quite late, let's face it. I don't sleep so much. But um, probably overall, if I had to pick now, it would be get, if I had to choose, it'd be getting up early because you you've got by the time half eight comes, you've done loads. If you're up at five, half five, you've just achieved so much, haven't you? We yeah. were at Anfield at seven o'clock this morning, weren't we? And this we got the sunrise; it was gorgeous and everything. And you you can get so much done by it, just in a few hours, really. So um, yeah, what about you? Can I just say, there are there are other football teams, including Everton and Tranmere Rovers. Anfield is not the only place in town. Just being impartial for our viewers. Um, but it's where we were today. I know, I know. Um, I'm a night owl, so I work best in the evening. But for the last month, because we've got a big project on, I've been getting up or I've been waking up at like half four, five o'clock. And you're right, you can get so much done before 8.30 when there's no phones ringing and there's nobody interrupting you. But I am a night owl, so I get, my head is more awake at night, whereas in the morning, I'm quite grumpy. And I need at least two Ooh. cups of coffee. Yeah, 
don't talk to me first thing in the morning um, unless I really have to be awake. Um, but it takes two coffees to get me awake. Oh, oh Helen and I, Helen and I was not told off because it was commented about us being a bit too happy today. Yeah, no, we, got, we got told off for being too happy, didn't we? Yeah, well, mm. we'll talk about that because that was the embarrassing moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which we'll, we'll tell we'll talk about it in a bit. Um, so, um, I, I was the same. I used to be a proper night owl. I was like a bit of a vampire. I used to be awake of a night and sleep of a day because mm -hmm. when you work in a pub, that's what happens. Um, but now, um, I think I'm, I just get that excited for waking up every morning and just being, being alive. So, yeah, I probably say mornings now, which is probably a massive shock to uh, my mum if she's listening in. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, singing or dancing, Sam? Oh, okay. So I love singing. As you know, I sing very, very badly. So the car is the best place for me without anyone else in it. And I sing along to everything like, ah, at the top of my voice for me. And often I have people at the lights going, ah, like that because I'm singing away. So that's quite cool. I do enjoy singing. Um, I like dancing as well. I used to love dancing. But if I had to pick one or the other, it's singing, even though I'm not great at it. Okay. Okay. What about I'm, you, Gary? Singing or dancing? I'm the same. Singing. I used to love dancing. I, I when I was 16, mm. 17, 18, into my 20s, I dance and love every minute of it. And I couldn't sing. And yet, fast forward. Well, you can sing now. Well, fast forward to now, I was told mm -hmm. I couldn't sing. Singing along with Stephen, I've discovered He's a voice. Fantastic. And I can now sing. Uh, Steve sings much, much better, but yeah, he is really good. But oh, I'm I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm gone. Sandra and I are absolutely shocking at singing. <laughs> Maybe, son, if we sing with Steve, we might That's find it. our voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you, you know, you know what, what's interesting? If you got me to sing without a Stephen next to me, I'd be rubbish. You put oh. Stephen next to me. And what the difference is, I can hear the tone changes and I can mimic them. And I can also see when he's moving his mouth, I can synchronize with him. So I get the speed right. I get the tone right. I get the pitch right. Get me on my own. It's everywhere. It's an absolute mess. So you need somebody to kind of lead you and then you harmonize in a choir. Gary, we've clearly we can't harmonise between each other, can we? We've clearly just found who's going to lead us and help us to sing because we want to learn one song. We want to be able to stand up and do a brilliant song on camera. Like so a duet. So you've found a choir or something? Is that what you've done? No, no we just want to sing choir. ourselves. No, find, find a choir. Go and find somebody like... Um, Wendy and Billy Hoy from Sing Me, Merseyside, or Sue Granger from So So Choir, or a choir with no name. They're all brilliant, um, and each one of them will teach you the skills of harmonizing, keeping together, remembering words, and confidence as well. You'd be brilliant. Don't they evict you from the choir if you can't sing? No, no. I mean, well, that's the choir we need to find. <laughs> the, the, the choir that will not evict you. Mr. Your new name. We could start a choir, son. Mr. Cunningham at Notre Dame used to come around and he'd go, someone, who is it? Someone in this area. And I used to think he can't mean me. And then in a while, I thought, oh, he does mean me. And then I'd go like that. And he wouldn't say it. And in the end, I just backed out recently. Oh. So, Sandra, you teach language. Yeah. Do you try and sing in Spanish or French or some other language? No. Because well, you should, in a Spanish song? You should. Yeah. No. Apparently, people that think they cannot sing, when they're actually singing to a, to a foreign language, sing better, sing differently than they would in English. You should try it. Well, Let's I do a bit of Julio. We'll practice in the office. Okay, you can listen tomorrow, Helen, and uh, you can be the um, Friday rather than be the judge. Let's go Julio on Friday. Let's. That's all we're going to listen to. So we've got a vinyl only office. Let's get Julio on the vinyl. Brilliant. Right. right okay. That's us all done, isn't it? Out of time. Yeah. 
I know. We, okay. We, you can introduce we, Gary. It's over to Gary now, and he's got about 20 minutes now. And then oh, about 40, Gary. So um, I'm absolutely ecstatic that you've come on our show this evening. You are one of the most interesting, interesting people, Gary Miller. And you've done so much for our city that a lot of people aren't aware of. And uh, I know you came to the city, as you said, when you came to study at John Moores University. And like many students, I think we have the highest retention of students who come from outside the area who remain here because they love it so much, because they love the culture, etc. So we're very, very fortunate to keep and maintain great talent in the city. And you've done so much for it. Um, I'm particularly fascinated. A, first of all, I heard you speak at an event where I, when I was working at, for the ADHD Foundation um, to foster carers, and you spoke about your own experience, which I thought was really good and poignant. And one of the things you said was, it's the reason why, and you spoke about being having to be well-dressed and things like that. And you and I have a parallel over that because yeah. I'm the same about a comment someone made and that's, it's affected me my whole life. So that was very interesting. And secondly, um, also what you've done with your relationships with China, you know, and we're twins with Shanghai, etc., and getting um, all the different things with trade, all the effort, the behind the scenes things that people are completely unaware of, um, the, the cultural diplomacy, etc that enabled us to have the terry, Terracotta Warriors here that was a big coup for the city, et cetera. And then thirdly, what you've done with the fashion hub in that area, because that was a very, very rundown area. I was a Saturday girl years ago at El Kilos, which everyone knows as Abacans now, and I used to have to run up to Kempton Street to get stock for the, um, for the trimmings, as we used to call it, in Kilos. So I know that area quite well for sewing, et cetera. So um, I just think you've done so much, and there's so much I don't know about now as well. So we we have got about twenty odd minutes to go with that. So welcome so much, Gary Miller, and thank you for stepping in this evening. Sandra and Helen, thank you for the invitation. I didn't know I was going to do twenty minutes. So <laughs> I'll, try and, I'll try and be focused. Yeah. Um, so, and I will kind of give you some background to where I came from which kind of helps you understand where I am today and where I want to be. So I was born in Leith in Edinburgh in a room and kitchen where mum and dad slept in a bed behind a curtain in an alcove in what was a living room kitchen and not a toilet, but a bathroom. And what I mean by that is every week I would be bathed up until the age of about three, three and a half, in a ceramic tin bath. I remember it on the stainless steel sink, looking out to the back garden, or the back green, as it was called, where one of the outdoor toilets were. We also had an outdoor toilet on the landing. So we had two toilets, an ensuite which is in the landing, the landing meaning the main stairs. So not in the apartment, not in the flat. No. My dad slept in the alcove and I slept in the single bedroom, sharing that room with my middle brother, who was my youngest brother then, Norman, and my granddad. So there was actually mom and dad, me and my brother and my granddad staying in this tiny place and the ceramic bath was made of, it was white ceramic with a blue trim. And even today I can see the chip, one chip out of the tip, the top of the, or the edge of the bath. And I, we used to have a bath once a week. And I remember they used to pour the hot water from the black grate that was used as an oven, as where you boiled the kettle and you kept the place warm. So that was my kind of background. Mm. And we moved, uh, from there uh, to a prefab that was built after the Second World War. Strangely enough, it was meant to be a temporary accommodation and they're still there today in a place called, so from Leith to Birdie House. And mm -hmm. I used to remember in Birdie House, uh, we lived next to a couple of farms. So every day, my adventures at the age of four, five and six was with my cousins and my brother. We'd go and we'd smell donkey poo and the cattle poo 
in the local farms. And it was just like, but it's like the most beautiful memories of sunflowers and wheat growing tall and having to move through it. And it was the best existence, existence where we had an indoor bathroom toilet, three bedrooms near my gran and granddad who would sometimes babysit. Now, fast forward to three years ago, I deliberately drove past Birdie House to see how it's changed since I was a young boy. Those donkey poo smelling farms is now a B&Q in an Ikea. The farm's um, gone, it's become industrial, warehousing and whatever. So that was Birdie House. And then I went to Birdie House Primary, that was my first school. And then for some reason I went to Gracemount Primary because we moved. And then I went to Sheen's Primary. And that was three primary schools, but I actually attended eight primary schools because from the age of three to the age of 11, I was in and out of formal, official, and unofficial foster care. Mm -hmm. And so I would actually stay with my Auntie Sandra. Auntie Sandra was interesting. She's sadly dead today, um, but she was a big Elvis fan. And her mm -hmm. and her husband, Uncle Tam, T-A-M, Thomas mm -hmm. Tam, was in the Black Watch. And he was a man's man. And he used to wear the kilt and he used to go into the army. And he actually was one of the uh, soldiers that was in the prison uh, looking after Rudolf Hess. So Rudolf oh, Hess wow. was in the World War. And he, that was his kind of background. So in the army, doing stuff in Germany and whatever. Mm -hmm. And those two like to drink. So at the age of about 10, well, 9, 10, 11, as I was unofficially being fostered by them, whilst mum was in and out of hospital, they used to drink a lot, they used to go mm. to the clubs a lot, and I would babysit their two very young children. Remember, I was a child myself. I was 9, 10, 11 years old, and they used to come back from the pub, and they'd open the windows in Granton in Edinburgh, and they'd actually pump out those windows, Elvis songs. So blue <laughs> space shoes, jailhouse rock, all of the above, and blue, you know, Hawaii and all that. Watch the movies with them. And they were the absolute biggest sweethearts. They were so nice. Um, but I shouldn't have been looking after their children. They should have been looking after, they should have been looking after me. And the reason I say all this, because that was part of the unofficial primary school stroke foster care because my mum and I didn't realize until I was a lot older suffered from oh I knew she suffered from it but I didn't know why um, from the age of three my mum was disappearing all the time mm -hmm. and I didn't know why then and when I was five in Birdie House near these smelly farms I was rushed into hospital to get my adenoids taken out. And as I got them taken out, I came out of the general anesthetic and then the nurse came up to me with this bundle of something, rags, and it was a shawl with a baby in a crash helmet and discovered for the first time that I had another brother, a younger brother, who then was two years old and I didn't know. And he was born lidomide, no ears, no balance, hence the crash helmet. Uh, could not speak, could not hear. They thought he was going to die. So rather than telling myself and my middle brother Norman about Leslie, it, just kept, it was a family secret because he's going to die. So why tell people about But my mum took it very badly. She had obviously taken the clue to my drug. My dad wasn't very supportive. Some members of the family weren't supportive. So she had a really tough pregnancy post-pregnancy to actually when she died in 2002 she suffered wow. badly all of her life to the point that she was in and out of mental hospitals she was having electro shock treatment she was alcoholic and because of all of that i was in and out of foster care and when i was in and out of foster care um it was always hand-me-down clothes we had no money as a family 
And because I was wearing hand-me-down clothes and I was going to different primary schools, I was always the outsider. So I would get bullied a lot. And I'd wear smelly, fraying clothes. I remember a red jumper and I remember picking at the, the sleeve and it was just like I'm watching myself pulling the wool. And then, of course, it was coming down here, so I had a big hole here. But they made me wear that at school for like six months. And I don't think it was washed. So I probably wasn't the most hygienic of children then. And obviously, I wasn't that bright. And I, and I, I remember when I was in my last primary and I was put in the corner of the room with my back to the class because I was stupid. The teacher called me stupid. So I really thought I wasn't very bright. And if they put me through the 11 plus then, I would have failed it abysmally. I mean, it, would, it really would have been an absolute disaster. And I worry about children today being forced and stressed to go through examinations at that young age. Because if it was me, I wouldn't have got anywhere. And I went to secondary school and I was 12 years old and it was Tynecastle next to Murrayfield, next to the heart of Midlothian football ground. And I was there from the age of 12 until the age of 18, almost 19. And in the first year at my secondary school, I won the English prize, the art prize, the German prize, and the history prize. And I, I won one other and I've forgotten which one it was. I wasn't stupid at all. I was in a different school. And for the first time, I was at home with my parents. Still not great, but also... I was wearing, strangely, a shirt and tie. Mm. A shirt and tie that I bought. Not my parents, not my family, or it wasn't a hand-me-down. I bought it. And I bought it because at the age of 12, I got a job delivering newspapers. And at the age of 12, the lady who ran the Silver Cross pram shop near where we lived met me in the butcher shop as I am buying my dad and my brother's Norman's tea. And I remember what I was buying. I was buying a quarter of Hazlitt. I don't know if you can get Hazlitt in England, but it was Hazlitt, spicy, cheap meat slice. And I was going to have spaghetti hoops. And I was actually cooking the tea that night. So I used my money to buy our food to take home to cook for my dad and my brother. Mother was back in hospital. Mm -hmm. And... This lady came into the shop and she goes, oh, what a lovely smile. And actually, I then discovered the butcher called me Smiler and it became my nickname because I smiled all the time as a child from the age of 12, maybe earlier, right through to when I left school. And she gave me a job. She gave me a job to run her errands. So I was delivering newspapers and then I was working for her because she took pity on me because she knew that we had no money. And her previous Aaron boy was a very famous James Bond from Scotland called Sean Connery. So no she way. went from Sean Connery to Gary Miller to do errands, oh. which is like, wow. So I got my second job. And then I went into Benson's supermarket, which was along from this butcher's. And I actually ended up as a 13-year-old boy with my little fingers in a bacon slicing machine, cutting Hazlitt for other people to take home for their tea. And I worked there and became a manager of that supermarket, really a grocer's, mm. when I was about 17, 18 years old during the school holidays. So I, so I had myself actually had four jobs in the end. And why? Because I didn't want to be embarrassed or bullied by wearing dirty, Yes. whole red, uh, ridden smelly clothes and i wanted to make sure that we didn't have a ceramic bath that we used once a week but i had a bath every single day and i did well at school i did well up until about 16 and then i discovered discos and then mm. i discovered girls and i discovered drink and then between the age of 16 and 18, I didn't get all the results I wanted. So I didn't go to do architecture at university. So I went into the civil service instead. And I was headhunted in Edinburgh at the Ancient Monuments Division. 
and I was taken to London and I worked in the House of Commons wow. and in Whitehall for first a Labour minister and then a Tory minister. And it wasn't a political position. It was yeah. a civil service position. And I was the official meter and greeter, filing clerk and tea maker for the minister. And I did that for three and a half years. And in that time, I met my soulmate, now my husband, and that was 40 years ago this year, wow. 40 years Why? ago. And, and, but my contract with the civil service in London had to end after three years, and I was there for three and a half. So I went back to Edinburgh. My husband now, Stephen, was distraught. I was distraught. We would see each other every week, every other weekend. Either I'd go to London or he'd come to Edinburgh, where I was back in the not the ancient monuments division, but the historic buildings council. Mm -hmm. So I went from ancient to historic. And he phoned me one day and he said, do you know how I've been trying to get a job in Edinburgh or Glasgow? Because we can be together for the rest of our lives. I said, yeah. He said, well, the English civil service won't work with the Scottish civil service. So he was with the Home Office. He said, so I've got a job with the Home Office closer to Edinburgh. And guess where it was? Liverpool. 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 In Bootle, <laughs> in, in the Home Office. And he became the youngest of his grade, a very senior grade, in the Civil Service in Liverpool back then. And he eventually said, I thought it was closer. It's not that much closer. It's like an hour <laughs> difference. Like six, it was five hours travel compared to six yeah. hours travel. So he said, why don't you come to Liverpool and go to university, go to the Polytechnic? And I said, what should I do? And he said, well, do what I do. I said, well, I couldn't do what you do. Because Stephen helped write the police national computer system that they used to tell you if your number plate from your car, when you used to ring up from the car or the radio, is it taxed? Has it got MOT, etc.? Oh, yeah. He wrote that system. Wow. And I said, oh, I can't be a programmer like you. You're bright. I said, I'm not as good. He said, well, computing is the future. And I said, are you sure? And he said, it is. <laughs> so I came to Liverpool. I got accepted by Liverpool Polytechnic, now wow. John Moore University. And I studied for an HND, a BTEC HND, and I got a distinction in computing and business. And I used to be able to program in zeros and ones, in special <gasps> coding, binary, hexadecimal, COBOL, basic, Fortran, all of the above. I could do it. I did it really well. And I left the Polytechnic. And I got, I created my own business, my first business. Mm -hmm. And I had to close it six months later because I had a massive falling out with Apple. You know Apple, don't you? Please. Well, in those days, they had a great machine called an Apple IIe. And I sold Apple IIe's from my own company with software that I wrote the world's first golf club administration system. And sold it to lots of golf clubs. And then Apple pulled the machine. They made it obsolete. And I couldn't sell the software anymore. So my business, my first, the first rule in business is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I put all my eggs in one basic, which is basic language, <laughs> on an Apple, which couldn't be used on any other machine. So I actually uh -huh. had no business anymore. So I got employed by a partnership between the Polytechnic and the University of Liverpool called the Merseyside Innovation Centre. And I taught for them people who didn't want to learn about computing programs like WordPerfect, Lotus123, SuperCalc. They wanted to play Spaces instead, which is Spaces. And I did that for two years. And in the two years, I got headhunted by Apple and I became their business development manager on secondment. And I eventually hated it. And one day I'll tell you why. 
but I actually grew back in love with Apple. But then I got headhunted by another business and I left the innovation center and I became marketing manager for a group of companies. And I was also responsible for setting up and running their financial accounting systems called Sage and their networking system called Novell. And mm -hmm. I run all of that. I became their group marketing director. I then bought one of their companies. I then uh, reinvented that company, sold it three years later after I invented two products and made it the third largest in Europe. And I was just didn't know, I didn't know the product, I didn't know the industry, but I very quickly learned the industry mm -hmm. and I was doing things that nobody else was doing because they did it like they'd always been doing it for like a hundred years. Mm -hmm. This new naive person came along and said, well, why can't we have bright yellow stair edgings? So when you see the bright hazard stair edgings on trains, taxis, and buses, I invented that oh, many, wow. many years ago by mistake. I actually invented it for McDonald's restaurants to go on their steps with bright yellow and bright red corporate colors like Ronald McDonald. That's what mm -hmm. I created it for, but it became something bigger and different and better. Um, and I also invented a glow in the dark stair edging. And when I did that, a company came along and said, we'd like to buy you. And I said, no. And then they offered me more money and I said, no. And eventually I said, yes. And I sold that. And then I created my own computing business where I used to teach. I used to write computer programs. I used to install networks. I used to, uh, to uh, help people with their brochure design, their banner design, things that I've gone back to doing today. And I, I had that business from 1992 and I've still got it today. And it runs the Fashion Hub and also does Again, now that I've retired from politics, brochure design, web applications, and a whole batch of other things, but mainly about special projects and project management, because I sold the computing arm of that business mm -hmm. in 2004 because I got quite ill. I have a long-term liver problem since I was a kid, and I forgot and then alcohol made it worse. So I stopped mm. drinking alcohol about 17 years ago. I didn't have a problem with alcohol, but my liver did. And if I hadn't stopped, I would have died. So I sold that computing arm of my business and I moved into business development, business growth, business mm. leadership. And that introduced me to other projects and then charities. And I set up Ripples on the Mersey that became mm. Dream High. I also set up with others, it wasn't just me, team effort always, uh, Liverpool Habitat for Humanity that built the houses on Kingsley Road. That mm. got me involved with some politicians who said I should stand. I stood for election. Mm. I joined as a Liberal Democrat councillor. I resigned when they didn't abolish tuition fees back in 2010. I resigned mm -hmm. and went to my original party, which was Labour. And two years later, I became deputy Lord Mayor. Mm. My former colleagues voted for me to become deputy Lord Mayor. And the following year, I became Lord Mayor of this amazing city. And it's fascinating for me that as an individual who is working class, very dysfunctional childhood, wore hand-me-down clothes, reinvented myself, found out I wasn't stupid, people told me I was and I could do better come here and get a qualification find my partner Steve that I've been with for 40 years become Lord Mayor of the city as a gay man in a partnership do you know if I can do that anyone can do anything and yeah. not if you put your mind to it but just by by being your authentic genuine self and by getting up in the morning and remembering to be nice. There's no effort in that. Smile. And my mantra on a daily basis, and I know you were going to ask me this question, mm -hmm. but I'm just time. 
my mantra is pay it forward. And that pay it forward is expect no applause, expect no thank you. I don't deserve it. I don't need it. It is always about team effort. It's about collective responsibility. We all should work together. But actually, rather than thank me, Sandra, you go and help Helen. Helen, you help Sandra. You help Emma and your friend that you mentioned at the beginning and men and Brian Quinn and all the others. But actually, all of us, Peter Lloyd, we all do stuff. Never expect an honor or an applause or an award because the better applause and the better award is knowing that somebody has done something like you have done for yeah. another person yeah. and then the other person does something else. So yeah. I now have what I basically run as a social enterprise is uh, the Fashion Hub and we have yeah. events and we incubate, we help and buddy and mentor people who have had tough times or who just want to improve their position by going into business. Um, and I work with people like Ali McGrath and Gary Beggs and Donald Bannon and a whole batch of others um, who kind of like me pay it forward. And back six years ago, I opened a business clinic to offer. I don't get paid. I was never get paid as a counselor. You've been to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The business clinic, yeah, with Ali. I set that up. I set that up, and um, uh, it, I was on my own. And the first day, I got twenty-five people came to see me, all inspiring entrepreneurs, and they just wanted somebody to listen. And about three or four months later, I met Ali, who I knew already, but I met her, and she said, "Can I come and help?" And you know what? She's been there every single day with me to help anybody who's thinking about going into business. Because what we all need is a listening ear, a critical friend, non-judgmental, impartial, yeah. independent, who is there at the end of the phone or at the other end of that cup of coffee. And we've been doing that now since 2015, February the 5th, 2015, I've been doing it. Nobody gets paid to do it. It's all pro bono. We yeah. have now helped 2,600 and a bit people in yeah. that period. And if I look back and think of all the things that I've done, it's all the stuff that I've done where, you know, in the old days, before mom and dad died, they both died within six weeks of each other in 2002. And my mm -hmm. auntie Ina, my dad's sister said, what are you gonna do to make a difference? You're now an orphan. What changes are you gonna make? And before mm -hmm. that, it was like, get a really well-paid job, make money, great holidays, great house and whatever. Yeah. But that isn't important. Other people are important. So it made me rethink my whole life when they died. And actually, that's where the charities came from. That's where the politics came from. That's where the pay it forward comes from. And it is as you get older, it is about put family and friends first and yourself. Try and find, I'm not good at this, a good life work balance my mm. life is more about work but yeah. actually it's great fun um and today i'm working with the adhd foundation honest mm -hmm. yeah. foundation i'm working with the Whitechapel center the michael causa foundation i'm yeah. leading as president of the liverpool commonwealth association and the president yeah. of the liverpool china partnership and you mentioned china before I and the people around me are responsible, not for uh, buildings and developments and whatever else, which I got some criticism for, but actually working with universities, working with hospitals, working with small community organizations, working with community choirs, working, and I mean genuinely linking to overseas and working with small and large businesses. And we've brought in collectively over 200 million in investment wow. into the city, plus thousands of students who've chosen to come here because of what a great city it is. Not because yeah. of me, but because of Liverpool Football Club, because of the Beatles music, because yeah. of the waterfront, and because we are genuine. You mentioned it today about Anfield. You gave somebody water and their friend. 
we are officially yeah. the friendliest city yeah, in the yeah. United Kingdom and now today the most visited city outside of Edinburgh and Ooh. London the two capitals yeah. and then us which just yeah, shows yeah. you what's special about the water yeah. in Liverpool so oh. going overseas whether it be Portugal the Commonwealth Indonesia New York South Korea China and I've done all those for the city it's not just been China yeah. Mm. is we've got to explore and we've got to tell people what an amazing place we live Absolutely. in because we need oh. more money and more jobs and more people to come here and Absolutely. just do what you're doing now and have a big smile on our faces. <laughs> do you know what? That one smile becomes two, becomes three, becomes 50, yeah. becomes thousands. So wow. that's a quick run through of part of my life so i think what we're gonna have to do is okay because our time is up unfortunately yeah. i think we're gonna have to have a part two okay yeah, so um, I, think we're gonna, I, we're gonna, I think we're gonna have to have a part two to tell you to tell us everything yeah. that you're doing so joe galbraith says you need to write a book and i as you were talking i was thinking exactly yeah. the same and you're probably already halfway through writing one but we yeah. have come to an end um Gary did say that is mantra that he lives by, and we're going to ask you to close the show yeah. with it again. I want to say a massive, massive thank you for giving your time. You're super busy, oh, um, and it's lovely for you to give you your time. And we're going yeah. to ask you to give your time again, and we're going to book you in for part two, where you can talk oh, about the fashion hub and everything that's going on um, yeah. at the moment and all the amazing things that are going on. So I want to say a massive, massive thank you to Sandra, because you're amazing as always. Thank you massively to Gary um, for giving your time, and we're going to let you close the show with your super super mantra so whatever you do watch the movie live by it pay it forward and i bet dave verberg and others will cry at the end because it's so emotional pay it forward please pay it forward thank you very much and we'll see you all next week thank you thank you so much for coming on the show today